Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this week's WealthTrack exclusive, award-winning bond fund manager and former Washington economist Dan Roberts explains why this is no Reagan bull market and why he is going risk off in his portfolios. Next on Consuelo Mack WealthTrack. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairholm Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. Animal spirits are up. Business, consumer, and investor confidence have been improving for months. Ever since the election, the markets have been building on the strength of last year when just about every asset class, stocks, bonds, and commodities, rose. There are fundamental reasons for optimism, some recently cited by Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen. The economy has continued to make progress. The labor market has improved with large declines in unemployment rates for all major demographic groups. Consumer spending has continued to rise at a healthy pace. Business sentiment has noticeably improved in the past few months. And inflation is picking up, as measured by the Fed's favored Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, or PCE. Total consumer prices rose 1.6% in 2016, still below the FOMC's 2% target, but up one percentage point from its pace in 2015. When you add it all up, the Fed expects the evolution of the economy to warrant further gradual increases in the federal funds rate to achieve and maintain its dual mandate of maximum employment and price stability. But many in Wall Street believe there is another element at play which explains the strong market rally since the election. They believe the Trump administration's agenda of tax reform, fiscal stimulus, and regulatory rollbacks is very positive for the economy and business, and they liken it to the Reagan era when similar policies did result in accelerating economic growth in a prolonged bull market. This week's guest believes they are overly optimistic and that the bull market assumption is dangerous for investors. He is Dan Roberts, Chief Investment Officer and Head of the Global Fixed Income Division at Mackay Shields, a global fixed income manager with approximately $95 billion in assets under management. He is co-portfolio manager of two award-winning mutual funds. The Mainstay Income Builder Fund is rated five-star by Morningstar and is ranked in the top decile of its world allocation category over the past three, five, and ten-year periods. The Mainstay Unconstrained Bond Fund has a four-star rating and is rated in the top 11th and 18th percentiles, respectively, over the five- and ten-year periods. It is also a three-time Lipper Award winner. The Mainstay is a WealthTrack sponsor, but Roberts is here because of his long-term investment record. 
Roberts also has a background in Washington, serving in the Reagan White House with the President's Council of Economic Advisors and as Chief of Staff of U.S. Congress's Joint Economic Committee, which is yet another reason to have him on Wealth Track now. I asked him why he feels so strongly that this is not a Reagan bull market. Consuelo, the, the reason that we think that this is not as stimulative okay. as, as, as the market suggests is that we think the market needs to take into account what the states of the economies were when Reagan took over. In 81. In 81. Right. And when Trump took over. In 1981, when Reagan took over, you recall that interest rates, the federal funds rate was almost 20%. Right, versus under one now. Right. Versus under one now. The unemployment rate was 7.5% versus almost three percentage points lower today. It's anywhere between 45 and 5%. And inflation was running at about 13% when Reagan took over. Mm-hmm. Under Trump, when he's taken over, it's about 2%. Right. So the environments were really, are really, really very different. And so when you think about the policies that, that uh, are being imposed, yes, they are this very similar policies. Right. So I know when I, that's what people are looking at. They're looking at G tax cuts. They're looking at fiscal stimulus. They're looking at regulatory rollbacks. And they're saying, Reagan. Yes, exactly. And those are similar, right? Very similar. Okay. Very, very similar. And, okay. and, but we're in a very different place. You just described as far as the macroeconomic situation is. Exactly. Like polar opposites. Absolutely. And, yeah. that, and that macro situation makes a huge difference in terms of the impacts right. of those policies. What the market believes is all three of these things are going to have very significant positive impacts. Ah. So let's take a look at all three. Are they going to have big, significant, positive impacts? The market's up a lot. And you, th- and you think to yourself, the market's up a lot, yet people generally, I, I think, would agree that there's a lot more uncertainty that we face today. So when the market is facing all of this uncertainty, and to be fair, it's both positive and negative uncertainty, but the market's facing all of this un- uncertainty, why is the market doesn't like uncertainty? What's more uncertain about today than, than in 1981? Well, I, I think people are just very uncertain about what this current administration's policies are finally, finally going to work out to be. Okay. What is, what's going to go through? What's going to be passed? What's finally going to become um, the law of the land? So, for example, the, the, the tax cut. We can get a sense of, I think, the degree of stimulus that was available under the Reagan administration and the degree of stimulus that is available under the, under the Trump administration. So when Reagan took over, the top marginal tax rate, you may remember, was 70%, 7-0. If you, living in New York State and New York City, you add another 10 to 15% on that, and what do you have? Well, for every dollar you make, you're giving 80 to 90% of it to the government, either state and local or, or federal. I would call that confiscatory. <laughs> <laughs> and today, today, it's 39.6. So For the top income. For, for, for the top income. Right. So what Reagan said is, I'm going to lower that. I'm going to lower it from 70%, and he ultimately lowered it to 28%, or 42 percentage points. Now, when you start at 
39.6. You can't lower it 42 percentage points. But what Trump has said is he's, he said, well, we're, we're going to lower it to 33%. So he's going to lower it six, seven percentage points. Right. Reagan's tax cut was six or seven times yes. what this is. Yeah. Will this be stimulative? Are tax cuts stimulative? Of course they are. Yes, they are. Empirical evidence suggests they are. They are. They are stimulative. Mm-hmm. But it's the degree mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So th- those, those are tax cuts. And, and how stimulative uh, w- would it be if, if he you know, reduces it from, by six percentage points? The multiplier that people use, in other words, if you, if you cut taxes by $1, what kind of GDP lift do you get? Mm-hmm. Well, it's as, it's as much as $3. It's, it's one of the most stimulative kinds of uh, policies that, that the government can, can run. Now, when you look, on the other hand, when, when you look at infrastructure spending or you look at fiscal policy, it's, it's a different kettle of fish here. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, today we, we are close to, if not at full employment. Now, people will say, you know, we have another couple percent or another 0.2 percent maybe to go down. But, but I think everyone would, ag- would agree that we're close to, to full employment. Mm-hmm. That means that almost everyone that wants a job can get a job. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about uh, Trump's policies of, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in and I'm, gonna, I'm going to do a, a great deal of, of fiscal spending. I'm going to build roads. I'm going to build bridges. I'm going to do all of this infrastructure spending. And I'm going to create good jobs. That's what he's saying, too. I'm going to create higher paying jobs. Right, right. And maybe, and, and maybe his jobs are somewhat higher paid. Mm-hmm. But what does Trump have to do? He has to go to the private sector where people are already employed and convince them to come to the public sector. Now, one way he can do that, and the way he probably will do it, is to raise wages. That's inflationary. Mm-hmm. So, number one is we're going to get inflation out of this. Number two is... How really stimulative is it when you move somebody who already has a job in the private sector, take them out of the private sector, and put them into the public sector? Is that a really huge boost to GDP? We don't think it is. Mm -hmm. So you you look at tax cuts, and yes, there will be some stimulus from the tax cuts, but nothing like we saw under Reagan. Mm -hmm. And then you look, remember, we're starting at full employment. And when you start at full employment... It's very hard to raise GDP by employing more people because there aren't a lot more people to employ. Regulatory rollback. Yeah, regulatory reform. Will that and has that over time increase productivity and therefore increase GDP? Yes, it has. But there are thousands of these regulations that have to be rolled back. Right. How long is that going to take? It's going to take some time in order for that to happen. So we're not going to see this, the stimulative impact of that regulatory reform for some time. Let me ask you about the fundamental underpinnings of the market rally. I, I know the market has rallied tremendously since the November 8th election, but it also had you know, rallied from the last year's February low. A great deal. So there are people out there who were saying, you know, look, uh, this would have happened anyhow. You know, the economy is getting stronger. 
So therefore, isn't the aren't the fundamentals pretty good anyhow? Yes. yes. And and I mean, you know, how much of the rally do you attribute to the Trump assumptions? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's start with the fundamental underpinnings. Mm-hmm. Central banks around the world have been stimulative for some time. Right. And years. For years. And that's that's made a big difference. So the the underpinnings are were already there. You're, you're absolutely right. So w- when we look at that additional rally, mm-hmm. what, what we're saying to ourselves is, if the market really does believe that, if the market really does believe that the policies that Trump is putting in, in place are going to be very similar, which they are, mm-hmm. and, and, and the impact is going to be very similar to what happened during the Reagan administration, we're, we're just we're just saying we don't think the market has that part of it right. All right. Um, Dan, therefore, I mean, you know, how, I mean, how dangerous are these Trump policies? We didn't even mention trade protectionism. Right. Um, some of the things that Mackay Shields, you know, some of your colleagues have, have written about how, you know, disruptive Trump policies could be geopolitically, economically. Yes. Um, so talk to us about that aspect of this, of, of the uh, negative disruption potential. Right. Well, if the negative disruption potential could be significant, but we don't know yet. Okay. We don't know yet. Uh, Congress has to approve this. Trump's own party, the Republican Party, is a free trade party. So they're, they're not going to line up behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's, let's take a look at, at trade. The negative impacts of this could be something like what we experienced. Uh, this would be an extreme, but it could happen. Back in 1930, uh, there was the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act. Right. And President Hoover at that time put uh, 20,000 tariffs on imported goods. To protect the American market. So to, that it would be kind the, of America first. Right. Redux. And, right. right. And what happened to world trade? Well, you can imagine if we're doing it, you think everybody else is just going to sit by and say, well, go ahead and do that? No. Mm-hmm. And what happened is world trade spiraled down. And, and that's a real worry. Mm-hmm. And that is we should let countries and people, they should compete at their comparative advantage mm-hmm. and using their comparative advantage. Um, putting on tariffs is not a... Is, is, is not a good way to do it. The problem we have is if you stop countries using their comparative advantage, then everybody suffers. We've seen that before. We've, we've seen with, with Smoot Hawley what happens. We don't want to go down that path. No, definitely do not want to go down that path. What do you do as an investor? I mean, you told me, I think, that you've taken risk off in your portfolios in a meaningful way. Why are you reacting so strongly to this environment? Well, as, as we see this overreaction, mm-hmm. what, we've, what we've said to ourselves is it, that is in some parts of the market, the valuation just doesn't Makes sense. justify yes. the risk that we're taking on. I see. So and so high yield being one part of the market. Uh, well, some parts of the some high parts yield, of high some yield. parts of the high yield market are yeah are. And and what are other there. areas of the market? Yeah, are. well, I mean, 
High yield is, is probably the, uh, the center, but, but basically is when you look at any of the higher risk sort of asset classes, you, what you'll find is that there's been a compression in, uh, in, in spread. And so what but, are the other higher risk areas? I mean, you know, in the mainstay income builder, I know you and Epic, uh, Mackay Shields does the, the fixed income portion, Epic does the equity portion, but you're doing kind of the asset allocation, right? We, uh, we, we are. Between the two? We are. And in Income Builder, we are doing the same kinds of things. We're taking risk off in the same kinds of ways right. as we are in our other portfolios. And that is, in those parts of the market that we find are the riskier parts of the market where valuations have really come up. But it's not justified, we don't, we don't think. It's, in other words, we're not really being compensated for the risk that right. we're taking off. What we're doing is we're, we are um, putting the money in, in other areas like investment grade, mm-hmm. uh, like, like bank loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are, we're, we're, we're shifting our allocations as, as we see that there is, um, that is that we see there's just, we're not being compensated for the risk. Mm-hmm. How much attention are you as a money manager paying to what's going on in Washington versus what you typically would have done, you know, let's say a year ago. Right. Well, clearly uncertainty in, in Washington has, I think everyone would agree, is, is, is higher than it, than it has been. Mm-hmm. Our style is that we don't really look at the headlines. We don't look at the tweets. Um, we are a longer-term investor, so what we try to do is we try to look at, at at strategy. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we try to look at those policies that we think uh, will make a big impact over, over time and those policies that have a higher probability of being, of being enacted. So yes, there are things that are going on in Washington and that yes, there are things that we should be paying attention to, but we're looking at them very much from a from a strategic point of view. So an, an example of that would be in, in 2006 and 2007, uh, we, belie- we started taking risk out of the portfolios. We believed that what was going on with the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve had raised rates from 2004 to 2006, something like 17 times. And what we, had, what we believed was that the Fed would pop a number of bubbles that had, that, 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 that had arisen. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of things that, that, are, that are important to us. And in fact, they, they, they did. And those had very significant long-term uh, in, impacts. So those are the kinds of things that, mm-hmm. that, that we try to look at given our style. So fast forward to today, what, what, are, what are the policies that are having uh, a, an impact on your strategy today? Are there any? Yes. So it's, it's, the, it's the things that uh, Trump has, has brought up. For example, the tax cuts, infrastructure spending, um, regulatory reform, but also, of course, what, the, what is the Federal Reserve doing and how will the Federal Reserve react Yes. Given everything else that's 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 going on, those are the things that we think have a big impact. Uh, they are likely to be enacted, and 
given our style, those are the things that we're, that we're focused on. What about the Federal Reserve and how policy is going to be affected? Well, the, the Federal Reserve has said, and, and we believe, that the Federal Reserve will continue to monitor the economy. And that if they see that the, that the impacts from the Trump policies are starting to stimulate the economy, and in particular, start inflation. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve will, will react, and we believe that they will react um, reasonably strongly to that. Now, why is that? Why will they react right. reasonably strongly? Contrary to what they've, you know, the way they've been very dovish up in... And, and the reason is, is the Federal Reserve has created this enormous pool of reserves. It's been very stimulative for a long time. So it's been adding monetary base for, for quite some time. And if, that, if all of that stimulus starts to be translated into inflation, um, we're going to have a problem. What kind of a problem? Significant inflation. Mm-hmm. And the Federal Reserve knows that. Mm-hmm. And they know that they need to react, and they're, gonna, they're going to have to react pretty fast and By pretty, pretty raising strong. interest rates. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly right. And the risk markets aren't going to like that very much. Going forward, what are you going to be watching that's going to determine your strategy? Uh, the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve. Yeah. Uh, and what's going to be a big determinant of what the Federal Reserve does is going to be inflation. And um, we'll, we'll have to watch to see how Trump's policies turn into inflation. The Federal Reserve is one of the is one of the first triggers that we generally see. The Federal Reserve is trying to slow the economy, and as they try to slow the economy, um, eventually they will get it slowed. And so that's that's one of the the very first things that that that, that we look at. Another question. Many bond investors have been told for several years now that the bond markets are very high risk, that they're overpriced, that you know, interest rates are going to start to go up, which they've started to do. You run an unconstrained bond fund. You can go anywhere, invest in anything. Um, you know, how high risk do you think the bond market is, and therefore how defensive are you getting in your with, with portfolio? The, with, with the unconstrained bond fund, um, we have a relatively short duration because we do believe that the, there, there is risk of, of rates rising. And if the economy starts to, to pick up and inflation starts to pick up, the Fed will start to raise rates. And as they start to raise rates, it will affect all of the rates. The curve will probably continue to flatten, but it will, it will impact all rates. And as, as a bond manager, um, that's something that people need to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. And that is that they could lose money as, as, as rates continue to rise. Right. And so and short duration means basically that the, the securities that you have are going to be the least uh, interest rate sensitive. So therefore, they're usually shorter maturities, right? They are. Yes. That's right. Uh, another question is about the mainstay uh, income builder fund. Investors have been searching for income for a long time, harder and harder to get. 
where are you finding income in the Income Builder Fund? So we're, the Income Builder Fund, we've been investing in the same kinds of things that we've been investing in the unconstrained uh, portfolios. And that is we have been investing in, um, in credit instruments, mm-hmm. and mostly in credit instruments. And that, that, and that means credit instruments are? Are so investment-grade bonds mm-hmm. in high-yield bonds. And those bonds pay a spread over U.S. Treasuries. Right. So they allow us to make more than what we otherwise would make had we put this in, in very, very short duration, LIBOR instruments or Treasury instruments. Final question. Dan, one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what would you have all of us buy or own in a long-term diversified portfolio? Yeah. So what I would suggest to your viewers is that they consider a balanced fund at this point. And a balanced fund is, is a fund that invests in both stocks and bonds. And then um, what we believe is that they should hire someone, uh, an active manager, that will make that switch between stocks and bonds, depending on what they think the, um, the economic environment looks like. So I think they want to look for an active manager, and they want to look for an active manager that will take them out of risk if they believe that the, the market environment is, is starting to change. And at this stage of the cycle, we, we think that that is a particularly important point. Dan Roberts, thank you so much for joining us yeah, on Wealth Thank Wealthtrack. you very much, Consuelo. I very much enjoyed it. At the close of every Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is de-risk your bond portfolio. High-yield bonds in emerging market debt have been excellent performers, up 17% and 10% respectively last year. With the economy improving, the Federal Reserve prepared to raise rates again, and political uncertainty building, it is a propitious time to take some gains and trim those positions. To hear more of Dan Roberts' interview, click on the extra feature of our website, wealthtruck.com. Also, thank you for contacting us on Facebook and Twitter. It might take us some time, but we will respond to each and every one of you. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairholme Foundation. 